Chapter Thirteen: The Papyrus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Renee, April fifth, two thousand twenty. Chapter Thirteen of A Perfect World by Ellis Grimsour. Desmond had slept well. He woke lazily and looked around him. Alan was already gone. He turned sleepily over, but raised himself quickly as Alan hailed him and from Cora's tomb with an exultant shout. Even Jezriah realized that something of import had happened as she watched Alan enter, bubbling over with excitement, and his eyes bright and shining. "'What is it?' asked Desmond eagerly. "'I found the remains of Cora.' Alan made the announcement quietly, but his cousin saw the undercurrent of excitement that lay beneath his words. "'You found Cora?' he repeated stupidly. Listen, went on Alan eagerly, and speaking in the quaint Hebraic dialect so that Jezreel might share his news, he told them of his adventure to the roof of the cave and of the river beyond. Well, he concluded, as I neared the bottom, my foot slipped and I clutched at a piece of jetting rock to save me, and I had to use all my strength to keep from falling. My foothold gone, I had to worm my way around the rock to find another place easy of descent. You know the wall is full of cracks and crevices. I came upon a crevice larger than the others. It was big enough to get through, and I wondered why we hadn't noticed it before. I realized, however, the tricks of the lighting at this place plays on us, and I could see that the hole simply looked like a shadow on the wall, so cunningly is it hidden. I scrambled easily through, and found it to be a cave, quite small, in the middle of which is a great pond of water, and fastened on the wall by the aid of rude nails was this and he held out a roll of parchment that crackled at its touch. Desmond examined it curiously. Why, it's papyrus, he exclaimed. Yes, and written by Cora himself and placed here just before he died. Have you read it? Yes, it's quite easy in parts. Listen, and Alan translated from old and faded her bay at characters the following. Writing by Cora, known henceforth to all generations as Cora the Accursed. No, then, these four months, as far as it is possible to judge time in this accursed spot, I and all my belongings have remained in this cavern. Aram and Dathan have sealed the doors of stone against us. Escape is impossible. There is not for us to do but die. Be it known, I, Korah the Accursed, am sore at heart for my sins of rebellion against Moses and Aaron. Jehovah has inflicted upon us all a grievous punishment. His name be praised. Food. There is none except that which came down with us into this pit of terror. Lord of hosts, I tremble at what I see. Mothers tearing their little ones, women in childbirth, crying to God in heaven that they may die before they are delivered. I, Cora, alone here remain fasting. It is the only reparation I can make for my sins and for the unworthiness I have shown as one of Jehovah's chosen ones. I, Cora. Then came a space that was unintelligible. Time had worked its well, and the writing was indistinct, and in parts entirely erased. How awful, said Desmond, shuddering. Think, half these skeletons that were perhaps murdered by their brothers for food. What agonies, what pangs they must have suffered. Wait, there's more, said Alan, and he went on translating. Forty days and forty nights fasting is as nothing to be fasting here. It seems forty times forty since food passed my parched and, cra and cracked lips. My people turn not upon me and slay me. Oh, that they would. 
dead flesh is rotting all around me the air is heavy with stench there are now no left alive but myself i will fasten this to the wall of the inner cave and then lay me down to die of what use are golden riches to us here poorer am i than the most disease-laden beggar of the world above o god of hosts forgive korah the son of Izar, the son of kolath the son of levi for some time after alan had finished reading the boys remained in silence the whole scene rose up in their minds like a picture and the horror of it nauseated them the terrible hunger and thirst of the captives the scene of cannibalism afterwards the child murder it it was revolting now said alan come to the real tomb of cora this is the tomb of his people but he lies yonder so the three of them mounted the rough steps in the rock and ten feet above their heads was the little opening just a little cleft through which they had passed and down a short but steep path into the cave below the centre of the cave was taken up by a deep pool of water but a narrow path ran all around a huge block of stone lay immersed in the water and round it in the water bubbled and sang showing the place where the pond had its birth but desmond saw no sign of the bones of cora he looked puzzled there is no skeleton here he said where is cora silently alan pointed to the gray walk to the gray rock over which the water was lapping desmond looked at it intently then understood in the course of time a spring had bubbled up and waters had covered the body of cora some chemical property in the water had preserved the dead body and turned it to stone in the ages that had passed deposits of lime and other minerals that had been secreted on the body until it was now of growing attained size still plain however were the features a rather long nose semitic in shape protruded from a face that had possessed prominent cheekbones and deep sunken eyes the hair which had been long was now a mass of stone that mingled with the shapeless body they could just trace the semblance of arms that were folded along the stone chest and there was a suspicion of feet protruding like a kilted tunic of gold gray stone in all just a shapeless boulder in which could be traced the likeness of what had once been a living man the waters of the centuries had preserved cora alone of the israelites of old who had imprisoned in the pit jezriah had listened in silence with one finger she had traced the outlines of the one handsome face now she spoke he killed himself in the water she asked no said alan i think the cave was dry in those days he just came here to die and in this place where his dead body lay before time could rot the flesh rot the flesh a spring broke through the floor in the cave and preserved him a, more, a memorial to all time of his sin praise be to jovah said jezriah in a hushed tone resquat in pace said alan as he turned to leave the place amen whispered his cousin and coro was once more left alone now said alan some time later while they were having their meal now we must make arrangements about leaving this place the only way is by river yonder can we make a raft strong enough to bear us asked jesmond alan shook his head i've already investigated he said there's absolutely nothing the wood in there is rotten with age i doubt whether it would even float there is only one possible way and he looked at them intently we can all swim pretty well our only hope is to throw ourselves on the mercy of the waters the knowledge we have of swimming will enable us to keep our heads out of the water we must trust the current to do the rest it may mean death but are we not in a living death already 
At any rate, are you willing to try? They walked into the big cave, and Desmond looked fearfully at the terrible ascent, which they would have to make in order to reach the river, for it flowed on a much higher level than on what on which they were themselves. Yes, it's pretty stiff, said Alan grimly, but it's that or nothing. Are you ready to risk it? For a moment only, Desmond hesitated. Then his mind was made up, and his hand gripped that of his cousin. Yes, said he. What about you, Jezriah? And they were both surprised at the calm way in which she took the suggestion. It is very high, said she. How easy it would be to fall. They rested and slept and ate before they attempted the ascent. Also, they had made many preparations. There were certain of jewels to be taken with them, the papyrus and the censer. Jezriah plated a waterproof case for the parchment, and with a plated rope, fastened it to be taken with them. The jewels were divided out between them, and placed in little bags that Jezriah wove from the root tendrils that grew outside of the large cave. The censer proved the greatest difficulty. It was not only heavy, but exceedingly bulky and cumbersome. It was Alan again who decided to carry it. But it will drag you down, objected his cousin. I'll manage it, he replied, and he had fastened it securely to its back with a strong rope that Jezriah could make so quickly. So they began their arduous climb. Alan went first, followed by Jezriah, and Desmond brought up the rear. On no account, look down. Alan kept urging, it will be fatal if you do. At last, they reached the tiny platform. Alan looked at it doubtfully. Would it hold three grown persons? He shivered. It would be a tight squeeze. His hand went down and met Jezriah's. He pulled her on to the resting place in safety, and then Desmond reached it, and for a while they sat in silence. The rushing of the water could be plainly heard. Time was passing. Alan dared not move, for Jezriah, worn out with the climb, was leaving heavily against him, and he knew that the slightest movement from one or the other of them might send them to their death, for the seat was none too safe. I think the time has come for action said he quietly at last. It is useless to wait here any longer. Jezriah moved restlessly. What your will is, O oh Arlene, that I will do, said she. I am going to plunge in the water, announced Alan. If you see my body rise, follow me quickly. Do not struggle. Let the current do its will with you. Safety lies in submission. Why wait to see if you rise? asked Desmond. Because I do not know what world's pools may be hidden there. If you do not see me after I've plunged in, then you must do as you think best, but surely death is preferable to a lifetime here. Then I shan't. Don't argue, old man. Do as I bid you. God bless you. The cousin solemnly shook hands, lingering pathetically. It was like a goodbye to the dying. Arlene, oh Arlene, came from Jezriah. Have courage, little sister. Be brave and follow me. And before they could say another word, he had swung himself over the edge and it dropped into the foaming water. The water hissed and roared with a fury as it felt the presence of his foreign body. Then it quieted a little. Alan's head appeared, his face deathly pale, and before they realized it, he was out of sight, borne on the swift current. Jezriah was trembling. Be brave, little sister. Almost unconsciously, Desmond repeated his cousin's words. She clung to him for a second, and then with a little frightened moan that went as soon as it was uttered, she too dropped into the water below and was carried out of sight. Suddenly, a great fear came over Desmond. He was alone. The cavern seemed to ring with laughter. The laughter of dead men. He hovered at the edge of the little cleft and looked deep into the boiling mass below, but he dared not drop in. I can't. 
I can't, he moaned, and the awful loneliness came upon him and enveloped him in a cloak of terror. He looked behind him at the yawning chasm below. If he lost his foothold, he shuddered. And then with a mighty spring, and a muttered, God help me, he followed in the wake of his cousin. The water closed over him. He held his breath until his lungs fell as if they would burst with the strain. Relief came at last. The waters had calmed a little, and he was floating gently along with the current. He was conscious of intense inky blackness, of icy waters and a fetid air above, of a swiftly moving stream that, although not rough, was running fast, of strange shapes that seemed to hover above him, and long, clammy hands that tried to pull him out of the water. He knew it was Seth himself he was fighting, and he fought to evade the fingers that were now so near, almost clasped round his throat. Then his senses foretook him, and he was only an atom, tossed about on the bosom of the unknown river a nothingness in a world of mystery and wonder. End of chapter 13. Recording by Elizabeth Renee. April 5th, 2020.